the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Other factors not available in all. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxenteco's message today is entitled The Lamb-Like Beast. Now, we'll need to bring this to you in two parts due to our time constraints, but you can always go to reachingyourheart.com and listen to it again. Remember, our telephone number is 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. Feel free to call that telephone number at any time. If you would, stay with me for just a few seconds after the program ends today. I have some other very important information I'd like to pass along to you. Don't forget our phone number. It's 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. God, we're not praying to look good, and we're not praying because we want to achieve something for ourselves. Lord, we're praying because we need to. And Lord, we don't really know who you are in the ultimate end. Lead us into knowing you. I pray today as we open the Bible that you would forgive us our sins. Thank you that in Jesus it's historically true. But in our own experience, make it true. Father, we want to follow the Lamb of God up Mount Zion, not a lamb-like beast at the end of time. So we want the Son of God. And we don't want to play religion where we just, Father, where we look like we're religious. We want the religion of the heart that changes the life. And so, Father, give us that and give us Christ, the living Christ, at this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. When my two sons were young, from time to time, my wife would challenge them to be willing to stand for God no matter what. As a parent, have you ever done that for your children? Stand for God no matter what? My wife would too, and I would as well, but my wife was good at it. One night of maternal instruction stands out from the rest in my memory. I mean, this was the big night. I remember it clearly. Before worship one night, just before my wife read worship, Diana turned to my little sons, and she framed the lesson kind of bluntly. She said, I want you two boys to live for God no matter what. She says, end time events are coming. You may lose your life for God. Don't give up. She said, live for God no matter what. And then she got kind of direct about it. She said, you have to have guts for God no matter what. Guts for God. There was a pause after she spoke. My youngest son, Donald, was analyzing her challenge in his childlike way. He said, mommy, at the center of a person's guts is a heart. To have guts, he said, you have to have a heart. That was pretty profound. You know, at the end of time, God's people have to have courage. When we use the idiom, they'll have to have guts, right? But at the heart of that is the heart. There is no way to have courage at the end of time unless you have a whole heart for God. And I learned this lesson in this interaction with my little son. 
The mark of the beast subject is introduced in Revelation 12, 17. And we're living in a time in earth's history where people simply are afraid of everything around them. The age of fear, the age of terror has taken over our country. The great and noble America that prided itself on freedom has now become a country that prides itself on security instead of advancing freedom. We are living in a time when people are afraid of the toxic elements of terrorism, when they're afraid of an economy they can't manage, when they're afraid of losing what they have because the dollar goes away, and it seems that no one on the right or the left is able to fix it. How many of you heard the prayer breakfast with Ben Carson, famous Seventh-day Adventist neurosurgeon, Johns Hopkins? And he said something I thought was pretty profound. He says, an eagle flies. What's the symbol of this country? Isn't it a bald eagle? You have a right wing and you have a left wing, don't you? And if you lop off one of those wings, what happens to the eagle? He can't fly. And yet what he was saying is we're living in a time of our history when the country is divided. And if you win by destroying the other side, the eagle falls. Very profound statement at the National Day of Prayer breakfast there. The mark of the beast subject is a subject that many Christians today are afraid to address because they're fearful of the outcome of this subject. In fact, whenever I preach on the subject, it's not uncommon for someone to get up and walk out. Now, I don't preach on it every week, but, you know, we're living at a time where we need to understand this stuff. So I'm preaching on it today. And this issue in the Bible is a call to live for God with an undivided heart no matter what happens to you in life. To use the idiom to have guts for God, a heart for God. It's a call to courage that faces the wrath of the dragon with God's courage. Revelation 12, 17, the dragon was angry with the woman, went off to make war on the rest or remnant of her seed, on those who keep the commandments of God and bear testimony to Jesus, and he stood on the sand of the sea. I ask you this question. In the devil's war room, in his strategic plan to take out God and his people, are you a threat to the enemy to the extent that he would have to be worried about you? Or is your life insignificant in the sense that you pose no meaningful threat to the devil's empire, the devil's system, the devil's plans? I know from Scripture that if harm has come your way, if attacks have been assaulted against you as you have taken your place to live for God, then I know that you are important to him in the sense that he wants to take you out. Some people say, well, Pastor Mike, when I became a Christian and I was baptized, why did all this trouble happen to me? Revelation 12, 17 says the dragon is angry with the woman. He's angry with any believer who wants to keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The mark of the beast is introduced with the warning of war waged hard against the remnant people of God. In Revelation 12, 7, the great war started in heaven when the dragon fought against Michael and his angels. At the cross of Calvary, the great dragon was thrown down to the earth and he wasn't great anymore. The great conqueror was conquered by the Lamb, who is the ultimate conqueror. At the cross of Calvary, heaven voted for God and the devil was voted out of power as the prince of this world. And yet there are Christians today who believe he's still in charge. They cower in fear from him rather than advancing the cause of Christ with boldness and fearless confidence in Jesus. Two kingdoms clashed at Calvary and Christ's kingdom conquered the so-called great dragon. He was thrown down. At the cross, the war transitioned from heaven to earth. 
the cosmic controversy, which was a battle for the throne of God, transitioned from the heavenly universe to the earth itself, booted out of heaven as the prince of this world. The book of Revelation is clear that he was thrown to the earth. He was hurled to the earth. He said, Rejoice, O heavens, and you that dwell therein. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the dragon has come down to you, knowing that his time is short. For 1260 years, the dragon persecuted the Christian church with the help of the beast from the sea, the Antichrist. The persecutions came to an end around the year 1798 when the earth came to the help of the woman and the new world absorbed the persecuting flood of waters that was poured out of the mouth of the dragon. We discovered last week that the earth symbolizes the new world of America that came to the help of the persecuted church near the end of the 1260 years. I don't know about you, I'm very, very pleased to be an American. How many of you feel that way if you have citizenship? I'm not putting anyone else's country down, but I'm grateful to be a citizen of this country. Why? Because its roots are deep in religious freedom and tolerance. Its roots are deep in the concept that you could come from anywhere in the world. You could come here and you could start over here and you could be unharassed here and you could have faith in God or not here. It was a place for the persecuted people of Europe to come and start a new life. The beast from the sea represents the old world of Europe that arose after the fall of the Roman emperors. So we have the earth, the new world, the sea, the old world. The beast from the sea had ten horns symbolizing the ten divisions of Europe after the Roman Empire transitioned to the ten kings of Europe. The beast had ten crowns on the ten horns focusing the reader on the time of the Middle Ages when Europe was ruled by kings. And so we have a marker here. This beast from the sea represents the transition from Rome to the divided monarchies of the Middle Ages. Now, since World War I, especially the Treaty of Versailles, the historical monarchies are gone. So we no longer have crowns on horns. From now on, there will be no more crowns on the horns of this ten-horned beast. How do we know that? Revelation 17, 3, just before Jesus returns, a woman representing a false church system that sits on seven hills or mountains, that has dominion over the kings of the earth, will ride a beast at the end of time that has ten horns and no crowns. That means civilization has transitioned from the medieval monarchical period in which the ten kings were kings to a period of social democracies and other things in which hereditary kingships are gone. There are only horns with no crowns. Revelation 13, 3, the beast from the sea, symbolizing the church-state kingdom of the Middle Ages, the world kingdom system that looked like it was Christ but isn't, received a deadly wound at the end of the 1260 years in the year 1798. Revelation 13, 3, and I saw one of his heads as if it were wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. The exact nature of the deadly wound was predicted in Revelation 13.10. We don't have to search for the event that ends the 1260 years. Now, what do I mean by these 1260 years? How long was Christ's ministry in the New Testament? Does anyone know? How many years? Three and a half years. Now, in Daniel... The little horn power that looks like a son of man tears down the church for three and a half prophetic years. In the book of Revelation, this expression, a time, times, and dividing of times, three and a half years, is expressed three ways. 
It's expressed as 42 months, and we have that right here in Revelation 13, verse 5. It's expressed as 1,260 days as well. We have that in Revelation 12, verse 6, and also Revelation 11, the first few verses there. So a time, times, and divided times is three and a half years. Now do the math with me. How many months do we have in three and a half years? 12, 12, 12, 6. Anyone's good at math? 42? 42 months. So three and a half years is 42 months, right? So we don't have to be Einsteins at math to figure that out. Am I correct? Now, the other one's a little more difficult. 1260 days represents 42 months. Why? Because they use a lunar approximated calendar in antiquity, and that becomes the basis of prophetic reckoning. So do the math with me. 42 times 30 is how many days? 1260 days. There you are. So this represents the period of time when the Antichrist world kingdom system of the Middle Ages that looks Christian, but it's not doing what Christ did. It's not following the Bible. It's not true to the gospel. Instead of building up and healing people, it's persecuting and killing them. And that's exactly what the church and the state did in the Middle Ages. That's why the beast with ten horns during the phase with crowns is the Antichrist. Because what Jesus Christ had established by his death, burial, and resurrection in his three-and-a-half-year ministry for 1,260 prophetic days, which is literally 1,260 years, the three-and-a-half-year Antichrist ministry over a 1,000 years does exactly the opposite of what Jesus Christ did. That's how we know that the world kingdom system is the Antichrist. Revelation 13.3. Now, we have the exact event for how this time prophecy comes to an end as revealed here in Revelation 13, verse 10. If anyone is to be taken captive, where does he go? To captivity he goes. If anyone slays with a sword, with what? With the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. This time prophecy of 42 months in verse 5 which is 1260 days or 1260 years, started in the spring of 538 when the siege of Rome lifted. And the Bible says the dragon gave to this beast his capital or his throne. And that was when Rome was handed over to create this church-state fusion of the Middle Ages. Exactly 1260 years to the month in the spring of 1798, the leader of that city which was one of the dual heads of this Holy Roman Empire, went into captivity, Pius VI. He died in captivity. Armies appeared, surrounded the city of Rome. He did not have the option of retiring. He was captured. He was led into captivity. He died in captivity, ending the 1260 years. Now, there are many Christians who think, well, the church was the beast. That's not accurate. The beast is a world kingdom order. Am I right? The church was fused. To the beast. So only to the extent that the church and the state were one can you refer to the church as the beast. After 1798 in the book of Revelation, the church becomes a harlot that rides the beast. It is not fused in exactly the same way it was in the Middle Ages. It manipulates the world kingdom order that comes back at the end to persecute the people of God. In 1798, Napoleon's general Berthier took Pius VI into captivity where he died a broken man, fulfilling Bible prophecy. The persecutions of the Middle Ages had come to a sudden and dramatic end with the collapse of the church-state kingdom in the Middle Ages. 
as the beast from the sea received its deadly wound in 1798, the Bible pictures another beast coming out of the earth around the year 1798. So 1798, the end of this time prophecy, is defined by the prophet Daniel as the time of the end in Daniel 12. But here in Revelation, we see that a new beast comes into existence at the time of the end, at the very time when the book of Daniel is unsealed. Now, in Revelation 13, 11, this beast rises out of the earth shortly after the beast from the sea receives his deadly wound in the French Revolution in 1310. So what do we have here? We have a transition of kingdoms. We have the old order coming down. We have the collapse of the church-state fusion of the Middle Ages that had given unity and stability to the European world order after Rome transitioned out of the picture as a unified monarchical system. And so we have the end of the old order very clearly coming around the year 1798. The Napoleonic Wars, the collapse of the Holy Roman Empire in 1806, all of this is happening. And the key event is when the pontiff of Rome is captured and taken into captivity, fulfilling Bible prophecy. In Revelation 13, 11, this new beast arises out of the earth shortly after the beast from the sea receives his deadly wound in the French Revolution in Revelation 13.10. Now, how many verses are separating Revelation 13.10 from Revelation 13.11? No verses, right? So as soon as we have the captivity of this power in 1798, Revelation 13.10, we have another beast coming up out of the earth in direct context to the time of the French Revolution. So one beast is coming down as one beast is coming up. This lamb-like beast rises to power just before the deadly wound is healed and the whole world follows the beast from the sea. So this is the interim period between the collapse of a unified world order and the reemergence of a unified world order. Something fills the vacuum, and that vacuum is filled by a lamb-like, Christian-like beast. And this new beast, the lamb-like beast, the Bible says exercises global authority as a military and political superpower just before the deadly wound is healed. Turn with me to Revelation 13, 11. John says, then I saw another beast. Now, what does the word another mean? It means a different one, right? So we obviously have two beasts here. I saw another beast which rose out of the, what does it say? Now, the first beast rose out of what? The sea. This one's coming out of the earth. The first beast came out of the old world. This one comes out of the new world in the context It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence. It makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. A lot of information here. In Revelation 13, there are six characteristics that I've been able to isolate here of the lamb-like beasts that are worthy of careful attention and study. Let's just quickly go through them. Characteristic number one. The lamb-like beast arises shortly after the collapse of the medieval church-state antichrist beast from the sea. In Revelation 13.10, we see the captivity of the beast. Right after that, Revelation 13.11, the lamb-like beast rises out of the earth. So it comes into existence around the year 1798. Characteristic number two, the lamb-like beast arises in a remote part of the world. The beast from the sea comes out of the sea, representing the old world of Europe and the east. The lamb-like beast rises out of the earth that came to the help of the woman, that absorbed the persecuting peoples, that absorbed the people of faith that could build a new world. And so in the context, this beast is coming out of a new world, not an old world. 
Characteristic number three, the lamb-like beast has two horns without crowns. A crown represents a king. The lamb-like beast is a kingdom that chose to have no king. Characteristic number four, the lamb-like beast has two horns representing two distinct divisions of powers to enact laws. Now, do we have a king in the United States of America? Yes or no? No. Who makes the laws according to our Constitution? House, the Congress, the House and the Senate. We don't have a single parliament, a single horn. What do we have? We have a Senate and a House. We have a division of powers. This lamb-like beast would have a division of powers without a crown on the horns, which means no monarchical system. Characteristic number five, the lamb-like beast is lamb-like because it is a kingdom based on Christian principles. It has two horns like a lamb. It's not the lamb, but it looks like the lamb. It has power based on lamb-like Christian qualities of tolerance and respect for human rights. Characteristic number six, the lamb-like beast starts out like a lamb. In other words, it has a good beginning. But in time, it ends up speaking like a dragon. Revelation 13.11 says it spoke like a dragon. Is there a right wing and a left wing in this country? Yes or no? Now, obviously there is. Shortly after George Bush won the national election and got this whole thing going, Michael Moore, the producer of Fahrenheit 9-11, did anyone ever see that movie? I didn't see it, but I'm aware of it. They took a stab at all those red states that voted for President Bush. It made national news. He indicated that the blue states should leave the union and join Canada. That's a pretty awful thing to say. But guess what the red states are saying? They want to secede from the union because a Democrat was elected, right? So it doesn't matter if you're the right or the left. They both have bad attitudes at times. Jesus land, that's what Michael Moore called. He says, you know what? He says, those red states are Jesus land. Now, I believe the red and the blue states are Jesus land. You hear me? He obviously has not seen faith in the inner city. He's not seen faith where it makes a difference in Baltimore or in D.C. I have a Bible study at the World Bank every week, and I'm telling you, there are people of faith that go to the World Bank. According to Revelation 13, Michael Moore is more right than wrong in his statement. At the time of the end, the United States of America will be Jesus land. It'll be blue and red that is Jesus land. It will ultimately end up speaking like a dragon, a lamb-like beast that transitions to a dragon in its form of speech. It is the lamb-like beast that speaks laws that are like a dragon. In verse 11, the lamb-like beast begins with two horns that are distinctly lamb-like. That means that its power, represented by horns, is derived from its early Christian principles. But in time, this lamb-like beast transitions the world to follow the beast from the sea that is coming to life again. And just before the beast from the sea comes back, the lamb-like beast speaks like a dragon. As much as I love the United States of America, and I love my country deeply, you know, anyone knocks this country, I get visceral about it. I'm sorry but I have a deep sense of patriotism in my heart. I think America's great because it brought immigrants from all over the world. I believe they've come here because they have seen it to be what it is, a place to begin, a place where they can become someone and establish a future that maybe they couldn't do where they came from. And it's a place for all peoples in that regard. But when people come and they knock this country, something happens to me. I get visceral. I find myself just having to pray about that and pray for that person. The Bible is clear that all the nations of the earth, this is what troubles me, including this one, the one we love so dearly, will unite to persecute the people of Jesus Christ in the mark of the beast. That, for me, 
is the prophetic clincher. The country I love so deeply, prophetically, the Bible says that it will persecute the people of God at the end of time. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. As good as America is because of its Christian roots, Christian America will not last forever as a country based on Christian principles. Our constitution will not forever be the law of the land. The Bill of Rights will one day surrender to the newly assumed right of the state to persecute God's people. And God's people here in this country will not have religious rights to worship God as they should. According to Revelation 13, this second beast at the time of the end transitions from the lamb with two horns to a dragon that speaks out against God's people. To say what I'm saying in a post-9-11 world is itself suspicious, but this has been taught for over a hundred years based on the teachings of Daniel Revelation. This is not a new understanding. In Revelation 13, 11, the Bible says it spoke like a dragon. A nation speaks by the kinds of laws it makes. I mean, recently, have you been following the laws that state legislatures are making? It's not based on Christian principles anymore. Thanks for listening today. There you have it, today's broadcast entitled The Lamb-Like Beast. That's the first portion of that message. We'll bring you the other portion on Monday, and we hope that you'll be joining us then. Don't forget our phone number if you have any questions about this broadcast or this ministry. It's 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. If this broadcast has ministered to you, would you consider a financial contribution? The address here is Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court Suite, 201 Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. Once again, Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville, Court Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. And if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, please stop by the worship service. You can find directions online at reachingyourheart.com or feel free to call us at any time. Once again, that telephone number, 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. And don't forget you can listen to any of these messages again in their entirety under the broadcast schedule there on the main page of reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening. And as always, we want you to know that we pray that God is reaching your heart. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.